everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pinstripe Perspective podcast. Today, we are doing another episode of what we like to call Clubhouse Talks. This is basically where we record our Clubhouse conversations in our room, NYY Takes, every Thursday. That happens every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. If you want to get involved in these conversations on Clubhouse, just download the app, join the club MLB on CH, and look out for the NYY Takes Rooms. We also have rooms with a host of other moderators for injury news and updates. We have a versus room where we'll put two players against each other and have people debate on the topic. And we're working on a bunch more specialty rooms coming down the line. Now in this NYY takes room, we spoke about, yes, how how bad the Yankees have been, but also how good the Blue Jays are. We gave the Blue Jays some credit. We had some Blue Jays fans in the room as well, which is always a lot of fun to get that perspective. We spoke about Araldus Chapman because he pitched Wednesday night, so it was fresh in the mind. So we spoke about that Thursday. We also spoke about kind of, it was a lot of, you know, how are we feeling type of conversation because the Yankees have been really not that good over the last 10 games. And we just wanted to let the fans, let fellow Yankee fans kind of let it, let it out a little bit. Um, so that's, that's base. That's basically what we did. And then we ended on a positive note, talking about Derek Jeter because it was the day after his induction speech and his induction ceremony to the hall of fame. So that was a lot of fun hearing everyone's stories of Derek Jeter because we have a lot of different backgrounds in this room, different ages, all of that great stuff. So before getting into the episode, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, you can follow us at Pinstripe Purse on Twitter. That's at Pinstripe, P-E-R-S. If you want to give myself a follow, you can follow at rcoles0206. Again, we do these rooms every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We would love to hear um, anyone's input, any any Yankee fan, any non-Yankee fan. If you're just a big baseball fan, if you want to come in and, you know, stomp, stomp your feet on the Yankees a little bit if they're not playing well, by all means, go right ahead. So without further ado, we'll take you to the episode, and I will talk to you guys on Monday. Welcome, everyone, to our latest installment of NYY Takes, our Yankees room we do every Thursday on MLB on CH. My name is Cameron Toe, and joining me, as always, is Robert Coles. We are presented by Standing Room Only. Please give us a follow at SRO Baseball, Twitter, and Instagram. We're going to talk a little bit about last night's game, and Coles was there. He can tell you a little bit more about the story, but he found the best part from last night's game. It is on our Twitter. It was posted about two minutes ago, so check that out after this or during this. But as usual, we will start every single room we do on Thursdays with this question. Yankees fans, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy to start, but I'm not happy as a Yankee fan. Um, it's definitely 
so I'm trying to have a little bit of perspective on what's been happening. And I've sort of just accepted that the last three, four weeks are just a microcosm of this entire Yankees team, which is that 13 game winning streak, which is basically just a culmination of all of these power bats kind of coming together and playing well and the pitching coming together and the bullpen was great. I mean, I remember there were so many jams. The one that sticks out was the Loisaga bases loaded situation in that first game, the doubleheader against the Red Sox. Just things going their way and kind of that 13 games being emblematic of the best version of this team, stealing bases, being active, playing good defense. And then the last 10 games have been emblematic of basically what this team can be at its worst, which is, I like to think I I watch a lot of baseball and I know, you know, I have a pulse on some other teams, but there's something especially lifeless about the Yankees when they go through stretches like this. The at-bats aren't competitive. It's so many strikeouts. There's a lot of sloppy defense, a lot of bad base running. It just seems like they're asleep at the wheel sometimes. And last night was a a culmination of all of that. So really what, what this is to me is just, we, we know what this team is. It's either super hot or super cold. And unfortunately, this year, it's been mostly cold. And there hasn't really been a moment where it's just been even keel. It's, it's either been full throttle winning streak or, you know, ripping off 10 of 15 or losing 10 of 15 or, or, or losing 15 of 18, whatever it may be. So it's frustrating. But I think I'm coming to accept kind of what this team is. And if they can sneak into the playoffs, anything is possible is kind of the way I see it. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree like the inconsistencies of this team have been this year at least for me they've been what make me hope you know on those like wins and regardless of the team wins or not if they hit the ball they win by one or two runs it's it's a it's a good game they play good baseball and the majority of the time when they play good baseball they win but then it turns around and it's just free falling bad baseball you know, uh, plus the the hit on Gary Cole, which we don't know how long the injury is going to be. It doesn't look like a pretty bad thing. Um, I was actually listening to Mike, the Michael K show yesterday. And he was saying that Gary Cole's, that whatever that injury is, is not that much of a big deal as bad as it sounds. Because from his perspective, he said the Yankees can be in the postseason without the next what, two to three stars or four stars for Gary Cole, they can win half of those and then make it. However, the Loisiga injury is very critical and way more uh, alarming in a way because there's there's nobody who can replace Loisiga. You know, you can win one game here and there on a start that would have been Gary Cole's with any of the other pitchers as long as the team hits and the team plays, you know, fairly okay baseball and looks the way they look when they win. But without Loisiga, Loisiga could have saved you from a very bad game that you could have won, you know, by a run or two and get you out of a jam. And nobody is really looking even close to what Loisiga has put on the table for the Yankees in our bullpen. No Chad Green, no, uh, I don't even want to mention Chapman. Britain, before the injury, didn't wasn't really pitching really well. You know, Loisiga is a very, very uh, important piece in the bullpen that, that we could have relied on this last stretch. And and it would have been a great help to make the playoffs. Now, does that mean they're not going to make it or they are going to make it? Again, like I said before to Kasem and, and Cameron and Robert, 
I don't know. I just, as a Yankee fan, I just sit, turn on the TV and hope for a team that can play and win a game no matter what to see if we can make the the playoffs because we're not really a good team and that's already known. Uh, no surprises there. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a really 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 tough stretch since that thirteen game winning streak. You know, right after that West Coast trip, there there were winnable games against Oakland and the Angels. Just after that, it's just been downhill, and you know, I kind of learned to accept that the offense is going to be on and off. The pitching, we'd be lucky if if somebody's pitching right. Besides Cole, if somebody goes five six innings, I think it's you know. It's like a wall of treasure, but it's been a disaster. I've been scoreboard watching just in case the Yankees lose. I get Boston to lose or Toronto or the other wildcard teams. But now I'm just hoping that they just make it into the wildcard, whether they have home field or they don't just get in and then anything could happen, just like Luis said. But uh, it's it's the bullpen's just bad. I didn't know, you know, everybody – you know, even for me, from the beginning of the year, had it as a strength of a strength of the ball club, and now it's the biggest weakness. Uh, I don't, I don't know what to expect on a daily basis, day by day. Uh, three weeks left. Nobody, I don't, I just really don't know. I'm just gonna click on the TV, watch the game, and hopefully they win. It's unfortunate that this is happening right now uh, when they were looking to have a you know stronghold on on one of the wild card spots, and now. It's, it's really just going to come down to these last few weeks. What's going to happen? You know, they're, what is it, like a game and a half now from Toronto, who is really hot right now. So, what, two two games between the three teams. So, it, I mean, they got a pretty big hit from Brett Garner last night, but weren't able to complete the comeback. And they, they, they've got to play well down the stretch. Baseball needs to have the Yankees in the playoffs. Just so you guys know, Johnny is a regular mod here on MLB on CH, hosts a lot of our rooms and does a great job. And we love him because he's always here for us. So thank you again, Johnny. Josh, you have anything to say about the Yankees? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Yankees fan, really. I kind of just stumbled into this room because I haven't been in Clubhouse in a bit. But um, I'll say, like, I don't – I think you're sort of seeing, like, that this team isn't constructed, I don't think, to make a deep run in the playoffs. And I do think they can make a wild card spot. But I think, like, the issues is, like, when I look at, and I'm a White Sox fan, when I look at the White Sox, I look at a great rotation. I look at a pretty deep bullpen, and I'm like, they can score, they can win even if they don't score many runs. And, like, I think the Yankees have to hit home runs or they're not going to win. And their pitching just isn't deep enough. And I think the Blue Jays are pretty scary right now with their starting pitching. And even the Mariners aren't a joke at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it's that surprising, really. One thing I've noticed is a lot of the guys who were probably overachieving before are now like completely reverted back to the mean, like whether it's Odor or Velasquez, who I know many people on Twitter were telling Coles is actually some great player. He looks totally droppable and like a minor league player to me right now. John, JP, thank you so much for joining. I know you're a Rays fan. Are you here to make fun of all of us? No, but I looked at their schedule though. So I look at the Yankee schedule. They have they're playing twenty straight they are they're in a stretch of twenty straight days playing. I think they're like around a third of the way through. You're you're playing the Mets, the a makeup game with the twins, the Orioles, the Indians, and the Rangers on this uh, con- uh twenty day stretch. Then you close out the season against 
the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. So I think it's still possible for you to uh, be able to figure out a way to hold off everybody for the wild card. The the health is probably their biggest issue, as uh, given that there's not much time off and you know everyone's tired and all that. So I, I'm just seeing. I'm just. Uh, it's just my dad's a Yankees fan before he passed, so uh, I would. And I, I understand the tradition and respect of the organization. So uh, I think it's still possible for you guys to be able to make an impact in the postseason. But I think the the losing stretch is not helping absolutely. Jonathan Mason is Clubhouse's resident Blue Jays fan. So first of all, congratulations. Fair play for taking three out of four and being the hottest team in baseball right now. But what do you have to say about your team's performance recently against the Yankees? And what are your impressions of the Yankees having played us for the past three days? Yeah, you know, it's been fantastic. I I think I have to start by saying the Blue Jays are in flight. Um, And, you know, having lived, being a a resident of New York, I've actually been in the ballpark. I was in the ballpark on Labor Day and um, made the decision to go back last night, wanting to watch Alec Manoa work for the first time in person. Um, And it's just great. I mean, I think for all of us AL East fans, um, this is the kind of the race that we thought we might have, but hasn't really materialized. Like the teams have kind of oscillated between overperforming and going on runs like the Red Sox did and the Yankees just came off of um, or the one we're on now um, versus, you know, big, big kind of dips of disappointment. And it seems we finally come together in the standings. And I think we just need to buckle up. I mean, the last three weeks of the season, starting with the the finale tonight in in the Bronx, um, I think we're all going to be watching these games and watching the scoreboards from now until the end of the month. No question. It's It's a lot of fun to be in the mix. So my two cents with this recent slide is that, I mean, the Yankees basically are who we thought they were. Shrieky teams be shrieky, right? And it's really funny because, I mean, when we started doing these rooms, now this is, what, now three, four weeks ago, we were on a huge high. It was in the middle of the 13-game winning streak. We were like, this team has finally figured it out. No one's going to stop us onwards and upwards. And basically since, what, last week or so, it's been the exact opposite straight downwards. And the title of this room is we should have seen this coming and we should have seen this coming guys. It's one of those things. Like I said, shrieky teams be shrieky. If you're going to go on a 13 game winning streak, you are bound to lose most of your next 13 games. That's kind of just the way things work. And what's disappointing to me is the lack of fight. It's not that the team has been losing because I mean, as I said, it's expected. So if you take a step back and reflect, like you shouldn't be as emotional as you are in the heat of the moment. But what does make me upset as a fan is the lack of fight, the uncompetitive bats, the fact that people seem to be pressing at the plate. Um, I was also listening to the Michael K show yesterday, and he said that A-Rod once said that he had his best years when he wasn't pressing, when he wasn't trying too hard, and he had his worst years when he was trying to hit a home run every single at-bat. And that's what the Yankees are doing right now. They're trying to hit a home run every single time instead of just literally trying to be productive. And if you're not trying to be productive, it seems like you're not trying. And I know for a fact that these guys are competitive professionals and they are trying, but it really looks like you're not. And it's no wonder no one showed up last night because let's face it, the weather was kind of bad. There are a lot of other more fun things to do in New York now, especially since things are getting a little bit better. And why would you want to go see a lifeless team like not deliver for you? It just be get disappointed after disappointment after disappointment. And look, I still think the team is fine. I still think that they've 
done enough to be in a good spot to make the playoffs. All you got to do is win series, starting with salvaging tonight's game and going to City Field and taking care of business against the Mets. Another really streaky team, but I mean, who knows? Like with this team, it's just kind of wake me up in October and see where they are because they're putting me through a lot. And while fun, it also doesn't do great things for my blood pressure and things of that nature. They do control their own destiny, which is good. As long as they continue to take care of their own business and just play solid baseball, they're probably going to make that wild card game. Now, whether that's going to be a home game or a road game, who knows? That remains to be seen. But I will pose a question to anyone that wants to answer it. Who, and I know it's hard to really judge accurately because the Blue Jays are playing so well right now. But if you are a Yankee fan, who would you rather play in a wild card game, the Blue Jays or the Red Sox? My answer is the Blue Jays because I just don't want the Yankees to face Chris Sale, but curious to hear your guys. Actually, I'd rather prefer to face the Red Sox because the Blue Jays lineup, I think it's it could do a lot of damage. And that lineup really, if it explodes to where, you know, they can go from putting five runs to ten runs on you. So I know where Chris Sale compared to Hinjin Ryu. Um, Hinjin Ryu, uh, he's been pitching well this year, but uh, I know I'd rather face Hinjin Ryu, but the, if you're talking about lineup-wise and I had to pitch to a lineup, I'd rather pitch to the Red Sox lineup than the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays really, they can, they can hit you real hard. I mean, that's just my opinion. I agree. I think in a, in a hypothetical uh, Walker game against the Red Sox, uh, Gary Cole, assuming that he's going to be there, uh, has a better chance to go either the distance or like seven or eight innings uh, and give you a very, very good uh, start uh, compared to facing the very, very powerful Blue Jays. I think if I were a Yankees fan, I'm not. I would rather face the Red Sox because uh, especially like if Robbie Ray were also lined up to pitch in that wild card game, uh, dude's Dude's nasty. I mean, he might be the Cy Young Award winner in the AL this year, and I would not want to face that guy at all. Yeah, Josh, you were kind of like going you, – you kind of read my mind right there. It's not that I would rather face the Red Sox because I don't know. A lot of it really does depend on how to race for this second wildcard spot like shapes up because if the Red Sox and Blue Jays are fighting neck and neck, they are going to have to use up their arms in the lead up to the wildcard game in order to even make it. Heck, like there might even be another one game playoff before the wildcard game if at, at this rate. They are literally what? One, two, three, four, five teams fighting for two spots. So anything can really happen there. All things being equal though, and everyone had their best situations, I think I would rather face the Red Sox for this year. Uh, for the reasons that everyone said, because Sale and Ray to me are a watch. They're both great this season. Ray is one of the front runners for the Cy Young, as we all know, and Chris Sale is Chris Sale. And so the difference is the offense, and especially if the Yankees are at home, where they play much better. Um, you wouldn't know that from the last week or so, but that is the case. I have all the confidence in Garrett Cole to get anyone out. So just face the easier guys, take the win, move on. But like that sounds way too overconfident, I know. So. My answer is a cop-out is, I don't know. We kind of have to see how the rest of it plays up because a lot of it just depends on how things line up in terms of the pitching. Like, even the Yankees, for example, could be in the thick of things, and we might not have Garrett Cole to pitch home or away, and that would turn a wrench into things, too. 
And that would definitely mean let's play the Red Sox because I don't trust anyone against that Blue Jays lineup outside of Gary Cole. So, yeah, it's a really good question, Cole, so I must say that. What about from the ALOS? If if it comes to playing a team from the ALOS, whether it's the Mariners or the A's? Oh, the A's. Uh, I'd rather face the A's because we always have success. Listen, the Mariners, the Mariners, yes, they got a good run, but I have my doubts. I think I'd rather face the Mariners, though. I mean, the although we've been eh, okay against the A's, I don't want to face the pain in the butt that Starling Marte has been. Uh, you know, on bases, he's phenomenal. He can't just win a game but just steal a couple bases and then scoring on a sacrifice fly type of thing. I mean, I think the A's lineup has better tools, better strength than the Mariners. Not counting, not, not even talking about pitching. I, I Just the lineups, I'd rather face the Mariners. Yeah, I, I got to agree with Luis here because in a wild card game, it's so easy to get tight when you're down early. And Luis brought up Starling Marte. And, and, and I can't just help but envision playing the A's in a wild card game. And it's the first inning and Starling Marte gets on base, steals second, scores immediately. And, and you're already behind in a in a do or die game. The A's have a good lineup. They got Matt Olson there. They got Chapman, Josh Harrison. I mean, it, 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 they're no true slouch of a team. I, I think the Mariners would, would melt a little more under that pressure. So yeah, I, I got to agree with Luis. The, the, the A's just scare me in the, in the sense that they're probably better at just stealing a couple of runs from you and finishing out the game because they're, they're used to using the bullpen, you know, like they have been all season. Yeah, I would rather face the Mariners because their best starter is probably Yusei Kikuchi, and the Yankees do hit those types of soft-throwing lefties pretty well if they're on. The A's can throw out anyone of Chris Bassett if he's able to come back, uh, Shamanaya, Frankie Montes, even James Comprillion, and they're all pretty good pitchers. So I'm not going to prefer one over the other like very strongly, but the A's just have a lot scarier names than the Mariners do, so... I don't understand how the Mariners are good still, but yeah, I mean, they still don't scare me. So would definitely rather face them. Like I said, the Yankees could even be out of the picture completely or fighting for the second wild card spot. Imagine having to fly back again to Seattle or Oakland. That wouldn't be the best thing ever. But very quickly, I, I, I did want to talk about Aroldis Chapman because last night's team lasted an obscene amount of time, four hours for a nine-inning game. I thought there was a rain delay at some point just because of how long it was. And part of that reason was Aroldis Chapman's ninth inning was, once again, abysmal, and he had to be taken out for Randy or for Randy, Wandy Peralta. Um, are we still concerned about Chapman, especially with Loisaga out now, Brennan's out for the year? The bullpen was once the biggest strength of this team. Now it's a major question mark heading into the playoffs, and we don't know how long Cole is out, and we don't have the luxury of leaning on a strong bullpen anymore, so it seems. Are we more concerned than ever about Chapman, or have we even given up on hoping that he'll be good again for this year? I I did give up. I did give up on Chapman. Sorry. Uh, a couple start a couple of uh, appearances ago, I want to say. Uh, with Loisi got out, Chad Green not being the as effective as we expected. Britain out, I guess Clay Holmes will be my closer as of right now. Uh, but I, I don't... I don't know how, like, my main question about Chapman is what needs to happen for him to be 
close to the closer we need or close to the, the, the performance he was showing when he was our no question close. I don't know. I have no idea what the answer would be except for him getting it straight. And I'm, I'm not a, a pitching coach or anything like that, but something has to click on his mechanics or his mindset. I don't know what it could be, but I have zero, zero hopes that he's going to turn it, especially in uh, how much time he has left until being in a really critical point, a really important high-pressure situation where he gets a ball to try to close the game. I don't I don't know what needs to happen. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he turns it. As a Yankee fan, that's, I want it with all my heart and put all my energies and prayers for that to happen, but I, I gave up on him. Yeah, I, I'm the same way, Luis. I went from every time Chapman entered the game, you know, me as a big Chapman fan, uh, you know, you could relax, breathe, and this guy is going to take care of his job to now. Every time he comes in the game, I'm worried crapless because I don't know what's coming out when he throws the ball, where it's going, if he's going to hit the strike zone or if a guy hits it, it's gone. You know, Chapman was one of the most unhittable pitchers you couldn't hit off of and and it's it's mind boggling. I don't you you don't know you don't know if he's hurt. He's not saying nothing. Uh, like we said, you know we're not we're not pitching coaches. We're not bullpen coach. We're, we don't know how to tweak mechanics or anything. But I don't know if it's a mechanical issue or is a psychological issue. That's what I'm worried about. I'm thinking it's in his head because really, when he throws the ball, he throws it fine. But you know, I think I think he lost his. Uh, for me, I think he just lost his confidence just from me watching him. The way I see it is this team can only go as far as Chapman goes now because Loizaga, for all we know, is done for the season. Right now he's in he's on the third or fourth day of not throwing at all, and then he's going to throw on the tenth day and see how he feels. And with shoulder injuries, especially for a guy that throws 100-mile-an-hour sinkers, it's tough to just kind of assume that they'll come back and if they do come back, be as effective as they were before. So if you don't have Loizaga and then you effectively don't have Chapman, your bullpen becomes Chad Green, Clay Holmes, Lucas Lickey, Wandy Peralta, and Joely Rodriguez, which is not the bullpen for a team fit to make a, a deep playoff run. So that's my biggest concern with Chapman because I was at the game last night and he just looks so uncomfortable on the mound and he has looked so uncomfortable since I don't know the middle of the middle it's almost the middle of June ever since he had that fingernail issue I think it was actually that game where he got the triple play against Oakland I think since that game he's just been uncomfortable and hasn't been the same pitcher and he looked better for a couple outings recently and then just comes out and then can't find the zone again so He's such a big X factor for this team, and I'm not so sure that he's going to be able to figure it out. I really hope he can, but if he doesn't, this team's in a lot of trouble. Welcome to MYY Takes, our Thursday edition of the New York Yankees room here on MLB on CH. Uh, we are presented by Standing Room Only. Please give us a follow at SRO Baseball, where we analyze the most entertaining moment from last night's Yankee game. So please do take a moment to check that out. We had a lot of fun uh, making that video this morning. Before we talk about our favorite Yankee, Derek Jeter, I would like to preview the Mets series 
Um, we don't have the pitching matchups yet, but it's three games at City Field. It's going to be very emotional, especially for us New Yorkers, as it commemorates the 20th anniversary of 9-11. But both these teams really need these games. The Mets are 70-70, and 7-3 in their last 10, and right in the thick of it when it comes to the NL East and the NL Wild Card. Both teams are very similar in that they're injury decimated and incredibly shrieky and strike out a ton. But how are we feeling about this series? Because to me, it's a total toss-up. I can see both teams sweeping each other, or I could see uh, each any team taking two out of three. Um, I really don't know what to expect. It's going to be very exciting because you got both teams, one fighting for the wild card, and the other one, the Mets also fighting for a wild card. They're all Actually, they're fighting for positioning to try to make a run at the playoffs. So that's the exciting part. Now, but both teams, now if you look at a recent streak, yeah, the Mets, you know, they pulled off some good wins. Uh, they're trying to get back in the right direction uh, with Lindor and Baez and everybody. That's the only exciting part, but the way I look at it, it's been a circus for actually both teams. So we're hoping New York wins, as in the Yankees. It's a must win for them. And. Hopefully it turns out to be a good series. That's it. And the Yankees take the series. That's all I care about. The Mets are like in the back end of the wild card chase for second at second wild card spot. That's currently held by I think San Diego. So they need they need wins as much as the Yankees do. So this again, like what you said, this series is huge. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how both teams react. I don't think the Subway Series has as much juice as it once did, but at least on Saturday, I do expect the playoff atmosphere just given um, the circumstances of what's going on. But um, let's end this room on a happier note, and that is with the Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Cooperstown yesterday. Derek Jeter was inducted, and we all knew that this day was going to be coming for a long time, even while he was still playing. The captain the best postseason performer of all time, just the definition of a true winner and what it means to be a New Yorker. Growing up, I could see Derek Jeter's apartment building from my bedroom window. And then when my family moved, I could see his building from my living room window. So even that close physical proximity gives me like some sort of connection to him. I don't really know how to describe it. I know it means nothing, but it was pretty cool to just live so close to him and a bunch of other Yankees who resided in that building. But, I mean, how could you not like him? And the respect that he received from around the game yesterday, one of the coolest pictures I saw was not the one that Michael K. posted of everyone on the Yankees stopping to watch the speech on the Jumbotron, but Jazz Chisholm watching, uh, sitting down on the third baseline and watching his boss, literally his boss, give one of the better Hall of Fame speeches that we've ever seen. And what Jeter did was just said, hey, I was here to win, and that's what I did, and I was single-minded in accomplishing just that. And he had the entourage yesterday to back him up, not only his family, but Michael Jordan made the trip to rural upstate New York to watch Derek Jeter get inducted into the Hall of Fame. So pretty emotional day for Yankees fans and one that we were looking forward to for a long time and the captain, as usual, delivered. So I was wondering what everyone's impressions were of Derek Jeter's speech and just your favorite memory of the captain. Yeah, so I actually wasn't planning on taking the time to to watch the speech and then it just happened to be I was sitting sitting in my room doing work and I said, you know, I might as well turn it on. But like Toe said, I think the quote that resonated the most was 
there was, I, I forget what it was exactly, but it was something about, you know, came here to win and that's, and that's what we did. And that just couldn't be more emblematic of the Yankees that I watched growing up, but I couldn't help but just be nostalgic because, you know, I'm 24 years old, so I didn't really get the opportunity to watch a lot of those or remember a lot of those or those 90s Yankees teams. In fact, the funny story is in 1996, both of my parents were at game six of the World Series where they won against the Atlanta Braves. And my mom was at that game actually pregnant with me, which was kind of funny. Um, and, and for that to be the beginning of the Yankee dynasty uh, and for me to be there it, 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 it is kind of cool. But, you know, it, it's interesting because my memories of Derek Jeter, my, my fully formed memories of Derek Jeter actually have a lot to do with those late 2000 or those early 2010s seasons that were kind of the twilight of his career. I mean, we remember he he struggled with injuries and I think the one that stands out the most is I remember it was at it might have been 2013 or 2012. I think it was after he was coming off when he broke his ankle in 2012, so it was probably 2013, but he came back and in his first at bat back, I remember the stadium was packed and it wasn't a great season, but everyone was there for Jeter. And then on, I think it was the first pitch that hit a homer to, to right center field. And it was just so emblematic. It's just classic Derek Jeter always coming up in the big moments. But, you know, as I said, someone that was born in 1997 and was a, uh, didn't really get the chance to, to take in all those 90s teams, really what he is is kind of an emblem of what I want this current Yankees team to be. And they have unfortunately fallen short, but you know, there's a reason that Yankees fans today are so passionate and, and demand winning. And it's really because of him, because of the precedent that he set both on and off the field. So there's only so much you can say about him, but he's kind of, you know, as his plaque reads, the heartbeat of a Yankees dynasty. And I think he goes well, well beyond that. I mean, he, he, he's the heartbeat of the Yankees today. I mean, he's the reason Yankees fans hate losing so much right now because remember in the 80s the Yankees w weren't something special and he and he was part of kind of bringing back bringing back the glory so basically hoping we're able to get another another 90s run and you know maybe someone that was that was born a little late into the Yankees dynasty can can experience something like he brought to a lot of people yeah man I mean wouldn't it be great if you could like inject every player in the Yankees system a little bit of that it factor that Jeter has in sort of like a matrix person would be amazing. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, I think what I admire the most from Jeter and what I saw day in and day out is just, you know, picture you, you know, doing a lot of prayers for the Yankees to come back from a game, uh, you know, wear your jersey inside out, uh, you know, whatever um, common practice you have to, you know, cheer for your team and be, uh, um, you know, doing your whole ritual, beer in your hand, either in the stadium or on your couch watching the game. The player you envision at the plate in a clutch moment where you need to come back on a game or, you know, be clutch, as simple as that sounds, is Derek Jeter. It's, it's not the how, he's not the best shortstop in history. He's not the best hitter in history. He's not the most powerful hitter in history. It's the 
the mix of all those things that Jeter had, uh, plus the effort and the eager to win, that makes him one of the Michael Jordans, Derek Jeter, and maybe one more sports uh, personality or, or celebrity in the history of sports. That is, to me, Derek Jeter. Yeah, I had the privilege, you know, I was born in 81, but I started watching sports in 1990. And in 96, when Jeter came up as a rookie, hit that home run off Dennis Martinez to left field, watching the first World Series. Um, he has a diehard Yankee fans, you know, those Yankee memories of the 90s, you know, 96, 98, 99, 2000. Even 2001, when they lost to uh, Arizona, it was uh, still a great team. But what I loved about Jeter is, the, is his aspect and the way he went about the game. Winning, respect, a legend, carries himself humbly. He was a very humble person. He wanted to win. You know, he got along with everybody. You know, he was talking smack at his Hall of Fame in regards to that guy that never voted for him. You know, watching Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, and the audience, Ahmad Rashad. Michael Jordan, the GOAT. I'm a Knicks fan, so I know all about Michael Jordan. Patrick Ewing was my favorite Nick. Uh, just the way Jeter went about himself on and off the field was amazing. He carried himself with his teammates. He just showed what it, what it takes to be a true professional. And without Jeter... I don't think you see championships. I know it's a team sport, but Jeter had a lot of influence and uh, going around the diamond with Tino, with the Paulo Neals, with the Jorge Posados, the Mariano Riveros, the Pettits. It was just a great group, and Jeter, you know, was a part of that success and that what carried that tradition. And that's why, you know, when George Steinbrenner named him the captain, he was, you know, it's well deserved. He was well liked and. You know, I'm so happy for him. You know, they call him the legend, the captain, Mr. November. He won, and he still is winning today. He wanted his dream to be an owner for the Marlins, and now he's a, you know, part owner. And nothing but uh, success for him. So I'm proud of him, and I'm happy what he's doing. I got his autograph when I was a really young kid, and I, like, jumped over, like, a seat to get it. Uh, like, when he was, like, eight or nine. I think it was when the White Sox were playing the Yankees. And I'm not a Yankees fan. That's putting it mildly. But I fucking love Derek Jeter. And, like, uh, I I went to one of his games in his final year. And um, I think he's just an amazing class act and, like, the best of, like, baseball players. I also have an autograph story with Jeter, which I liked when I was young also. I got his autograph. And then one of those guys with, like, 10 pictures of Jeter who, like one of these adult autograph seekers, went to get his autograph. He just said, absolutely not, laughed and walked away. So I found that pretty funny. That's amazing. That's totally him, though. Like, he was just like, it's even people who are like, my friends who are Red Sox fans like Derek Jeter. Like, I think it's just impossible not to like, like the guy. I think Derek Jeter is best summed up in two words. And this comes off the heels of everything that those of you in the room have shared just now. And it is professional winner. Derek Jeter is a professional winner. 
and growing up, Lake Holes, um, I'm a little bit older, I'm 26 now, but I have a little bit of memories from 99, 2000, and even though there were no World Series, 2001 to 2003 were also pretty fun. I looked up to Derek Jeter because he won a lot, and I wasn't necessarily mature enough to understand the process and everything that goes into that, but I was lucid enough to at least understand that winning was important. And especially in sports, it is the most important. And that has more or less shaped my mindset of how I've tried to go about living my life. Not necessarily that you need to beat someone else, but that you are going to go in and put 100% of your effort knowing what the result can be if you follow that. And in baseball, that is winning. And Derek Jeter, like he said in his speech, he had a singular mindset, which was to go out and win to do what it takes to win, to do an impression of his idol, Michael Jordan, to get those rings, to represent his family, his city, himself in the best way possible, which to New Yorkers is to win. And Derek Jeter is the spirit of New York in many ways because of that, that New Yorkers know that it's kind of tough living here. Um, City's expensive, things are inconvenient, people aren't the best in the world, but if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And as much of a cliche that is, it's very true. And Derek Jeter is an example to us all of how to make that happen, to make that happen the right way. And he deserved everything he got yesterday. And I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about him. And it's funny that we didn't even really bring up his final swing, more or less, which was the walk-off hitting Yankee Stadium. It's crazy how that magical moment is a footnote. And that just goes to show how great of a career he had and just how special he is as an individual. And frankly, as a Yankee fan, we all want to anoint the next Jeter, whether that's anyone from Aaron Judge to Andrew Velasquez, but no one is even going to come close, I think, in our lifetime. I remember seeing uh, the final game I saw him play, I think was at Yankee Stadium. Uh, it was against the White Sox. And I remember they did a tribute. He, he did personally, and the Yankees organization did, but he presented Canerco. So it was Canerco's last year as well with like a, a gift. Um, and I just remember, like, I'm just thinking that like those two, I mean, I'm not comparing, I don't think Canerco's in the same league as Jeter, but these two sort of their personalities and the way they went about things seem to only almost be, I don't want to say relics of a different era, but the way they sort of um, carried, carried their stride, even when they struggled mightily, which I think they both had seasons where they did, I think is really speaks to like sort of uh, just a really they were both class acts in a lot of ways. And it's funny that they both retired in the same year. Yeah. And also like, I mean, Paul Konerko is no, isn't the level of winner that Jeter is obviously, but I do think that Konerko meant a lot of the same thing to White Sox fans as Jeter did to Yankees fans. You know, just kind of a guy who played the game the right way was always there, a great teammate and really just represented his city and his team really well. And it's, and yeah, I mean, it's nice to see all of those types of guys get recognized for those careers. So we're coming up on the hour mark here. So thank you once again, everyone, for joining today. A bit of a downer for the first part because of how bad this team is doing. But at the same time, it was really nice to hear all of your Jeter stories now that the playoffs are much more of an if scenario than a when scenario, we're not really sure 
of what this room will be looking like come October, but rest assured, we will be here. We will be talking Yankees at least every Thursday, 11 a.m. here on MLB on CH. You can find this room posted tomorrow morning as a full episode of the Pinstripe Perspective podcast. And Coles, where can we find you on social media? Yes, so you can follow Pinstripe Perspective at Pinstripe Purse on Twitter. So that's at the word Pinstripe and then P-E-R-S. I do a daily Yankees podcast. And tomorrow, as we do every Friday, as Toe mentioned, we will be kind of posting this in, in, in podcast form. So that's a good fun way to get more voices involved and kind of keep building up a Yankees community here on Clubhouse and, and with Pinstripe Perspective. And you can give me a follow personally at rcole0206. And yeah, really appreciate everyone that keeps showing up to these rooms. We have a lot of fun with it. And, you know, hopefully by the end of October, we can all be, be celebrating something a little special together. You can follow me as well at underscore CTO, at underscore C-T-O-H. And have a great rest of your Thursday, everyone.